couple weeks ago, and uh, we began in the beginning of chapter number one. And I want us to look um, this morning at the ending of chapter number one. Hey, yeah, chapter number one, very small book in the Old Testament, but very um, impactful and very um, much needed in our day's world. To just kind of give you an idea of where we're at in Haggai, um, Israel has been in um, Babylon, Babylon, Babylon um, they have been exiled there for 70 years in captivity. And the Lord has graciously and mercifully um, allowed them to come out of that Babylonian captivity and has brought them back into the promised land. In the beginning of chapter number 1, we, are, um, we see that um, God raises up the prophet Haggai. And the reason that God has to raise up Haggai is because when the children of Israel was come into the land, back into the land, they were to, to rebuild the temple. They were to rebuild that so that they could worship and so I just want you to think just for a moment. They have went 70 years without, without a temple in the land of Babylon. Then they come, to, come back into the land. They have no temple there. It has been destroyed. They are to rebuild it. So they begin to rebuild the temple. But then sadly, because of persecution um, from without and some issues within, they cease building the temple that God had told them to build. And so for anywhere from 14 to 16 years, the foundation of that temple has laid dormant. They have not rebuilded the temple, but rather they have built their own houses and doing their own thing. And so God then raises up the prophet and then begins to preach to them about how that they are to rebuild the temple. He um, twice gives them the, the phrase in chapter 1, consider your ways. And We looked at that the last time we were in the book of Haggai. And so we see that through the preaching and through the prophet, uh, the prophet of Haggai, we see some things that take place uh, in the lives and in the hearts of the children of Israel. First of all, you'll see that uh, the preaching of the prophet made them to respond. And then their response then made them make a decision. And then their decision then brought uh, forth uh, a stirring among the people. And the, the word stirring just simply means to, uh, to, to, uh, to bring back. It means to well, would say, bring same, the idea of what we would call revival. It is to is to get them aware, to awake them out of sleep. And so this is what takes place in the last part of chapter number 1. I want you to notice verse number 12. It's Haggai chapter 1, verse number 12. The Bible says, And then Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord thy God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. 
Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger in the, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And then the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, the governor of Judah, and, jo- and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And in the fourth and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. I want us to look this morning at this thought of how the church is to be stirred. I believe that probably today more than ever, the church of the living God is more dormant and laying inactive probably more in the United States than the history of the church. Now I am very well aware that there are places around the world that God is doing great things. The sad reality of it is is we see that God is doing more in third world countries than He is doing in America. And isn't it a shame that God, that the third world countries are seeing more revival than the most blessed nation on planet earth. That people are more excited about the work of God in a place of where they're living in mud huts, having to walk, having to walk many miles to church, sit out in the blistering sun, and God is doing great things there, and in America, where we have nice facilities, padded pews, air conditioners, somebody say amen right there, and it seems like God is doing nothing. I tell you, that's a shame to us as Americans. That the most of the time when you hear of people being born again, it is not in the Bible Belt, but rather it's in a third world country to where very few freedoms are enjoyed. Just this week, it will never be broadcast on mainstream media, but just this week a preacher in North Korea lost his life, not because he was preaching, but he lost his life simply because he owned a Bible. His family then will be imprisoned for the rest of their life. Not for murder, not for rioting, not for stealing, but for simply owning a Bible. And most of the time we can't remember where we put our Bible from Sunday to Sunday. We have more Bibles ruined in America by sun on the dashboard of our vehicles than Africa has total Bibles. I would say that us as Americans, we definitely need a stirring of the Lord. And it is not, it is not, that that God has stopped working because if God had stopped working we'd be in glory 
It is not that God is not drawing people to Him because if God was done, we would be in heaven. It is not that God is not calling people into the ministry. It's, it's not that God has ceased that. It's just that people have stopped responding to the call of ministry. And it's not that God does not want to send revival to America. It's just that America's not in a place for God to send revival to America. And reality of it is, it's not that God don't want to do big things even in Faith Baptist Church, but the reality of it is a lot of us are not in the condition for God to do big things at Faith Baptist Church. Now listen to me, I'm not interested in us having a big church, I'm interested in us having a good church. Not all good churches are big, and not all big churches are good. There's a difference. And so I want us to look this morning at the, at the text and to see what is the recipe for us to be awakened. This, this, is, this is in connection to what Paul would say in the book of Romans and when he's talking to the church at Rome, he says, he says, now it's high time for thee to wake up out of your sleep. For the day is far-fetched and, the, and we have to realize we don't have much time left. Isn't it amazing that the devil's crowd is more active than they've ever been? And God's people are more dormant than we've ever been? That is, the, that is not the way it should be. We've got to have a stirring among God's people. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. I pray, uh, God, that you would help us in this time as we approach the Scripture. God, I pray that you'd speak to each of our hearts and may the, the Spirit of God have full reign and rule. And God, every adversary and every, um, uh, everything that would come against us to hinder our attention and take our attention off the Word of God, I pray that you'd bind that. I pray that you'd help us to not be thinking about anything other than what this Bible has to say to us in the next few moments. And God, I pray you'd do a work. I pray that you would do a, you'd stir among us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I want you to notice, number one, if there's going to be a stirring among us. Now, I do want you to, I do want you to notice something in verse number 14 before we really get into it. Notice, notice the first few words of verse number 14. And the Lord stirred up the spirit. Now he gives us the spirit of Zerubbabel. Then he says the governor of Judah. And then he says the spirit of Joshua. Then he says, and, then he says, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. Now first of all, we have to understand that there is not a person, there is not a group, there is not anybody that can stir God's people other than the Lord himself. If there's a stirring that takes place, if there's a, an awakening that takes place among God's people, it has to be done by the Lord Himself. Now I want you to notice how the Lord stirs His people. Now this has not changed in all these years. The recipe that we see in this chapter is still going to be what take, is going to have to take place in our day, if we're going to see the Lord stir among us. 
Number one, I want you to notice that if, we're gonna, if the Lord is going to stir His people again, there's going to have to be the right kind of preaching. I want you to notice what, what the uh, Haggai says. Notice verse number one, there's the phrase, came the word of the Lord. Notice verse number two, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts. Notice verse number three, then came the word of the Lord. Notice verse number five, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Notice verse number seven, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Notice verse number eight at the last part, saith the Lord. Notice verse number nine, saith the Lord of hosts. So I want you to, you see, you see the, the resemblance here you see the connection that is going on uh, uh, through chapter number 1. Uh, for there to be a stirring among God's people, there's got to be the right kind of preaching. And I believe, and I, I know I'm not preaching to a room full of preachers this morning, uh, but it, is, it, is, it, it needs to be said uh, that, that in our day we have trading, uh, traded uh, a preaching uh, for philosophy. We have traded, thus saith the Lord, uh, for what does man think? Or what does man say? One of the most dangerous things that you and I can do uh, uh, as God's people is get, in, get in among a group of people, open up the Word of God, uh, and read the Word of God, and go around the room and ask everybody what they think uh, the verse means. Now, I don't mean to be ugly, and I don't mean to be crude, uh, but it really don't matter what everybody else thinks. The only thing that matters is thus saith the Word of God. Thus saith the Lord. And we have traded that in our day for philosophy, for our ideas. And so, and so many people now, they will tell you what they want the Bible to say. But there again, it is not up to me to tell you what I want the Bible to say. It is up to me just to tell you what God said in the Word of God. And so we have to get back to days of where we just open up the Bible and let the Bible speak for itself. So many times you go to different places and you hear different preachers and I'm not picking on anybody and I'm not trying to... Uh, to be uh, be ugly uh, or downgrade anybody, uh, but you listen. You you'll listen to a whole sermon, uh, and it's all about stories. It's all about uh, uh, all about Joe and Bob and Billy, and and they did this and they did that, and and I remember when I went here, and I remember when that that's not going to help God's people. God's people don't need to hear stories about childhood. Uh, they don't need to hear stories about Mama sitting on the rocking chair and Daddy and the field plowing mules. We need to get back to where people are just hearing, thus saith the word of God. You say people don't want to hear it. It don't matter if people want to hear it. That's God's plan by preaching is thus saith the Lord. It amazes me that, that, it, that people, if you have a good personality, people will flock to hear a person but they'll never open up the Bible and say this is what God says. This is what the Bible says. Whatever happened to preaching upon, on sin? There, there's, there's, a, there's a preacher that, that's very well known and I, I, was, I, I made mention of him to somebody else and, and um, they, said, they said, yes, and I, I like this individual, but I just wish I could hear him preach on sin one time. And I thought to myself, 
What a shame that people have to say, I wish I could hear a preacher preach on sin. You say, you'll empty a building out if you preach on sin. You may empty a building out if you don't preach on sin, but if you don't preach, if you preach on sin, but if you don't preach on sin, you're going to fill hell up. I'd rather have an empty building than hell full. And if we're going to experience God do what God can do in our day, in this hour, we've got to get back to preaching. We've got to get, we've got, and listen, I, I know you're not, you're not a room full of preachers, uh, and so this is, for you that are not preachers, this is what you've got to do. You've got to back preaching. You've got to add preaching on. Listen, if there ever comes a day when I'm afraid to stand up and open up the Word of God and call sin, sin, you know what you need to do? You need to pack my bags for me and send me on down the road. Amen. If there ever comes a day where the preacher won't stand for righteousness and holiness and thus saith the Word of God, he ain't a preacher no more. And he needs to be shipped down the road. But yet so many people, they, they, and, we're, and we're living in end times where Paul told Timothy, he said they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Preacher, tell us what we want to hear. Preacher, tell us something that'll make me feel good about myself. I got, I got, I got good news to report. They ain't nothing good about you. And they ain't nothing good about me. The only good person we can talk about is the Lord Jesus. And so if we're going to see the Lord stir among us, we're going to have the right kind of preaching. Listen, there's never been a revival that took place in the history of our world that preaching was not directed at thus saith the Word of God. If we're going to see revival at Faith Baptist Church, if we're going to see revival in Shelbyville, Tennessee, if we're going to see revival in America we're going to have to get some men that have some gall about them again and just preach the Word of God. They don't have to preach like me. They don't have to be loud. They don't have to be theatrical. I don't care if a man's loud. I don't care if he's soft-spoken. As long as he says, thus saith the Lord. Everybody's different. Everybody has their different styles, and that's fine and dandy. But you know, so oftentimes we, we hear men quote-unquote preach, and they never point us to Jesus. Boy, they'll point, you to, they'll point you to grandma and grandpa. Have you ever noticed if a, if a preacher wants to get the emotions of people Wound up, he'll always tell emotional stories about grandma and grandpa and mama. Listen, we don't need our emotions stirred up. We need our spirit stirred up. Your emotions can get stirred up by watching old yeller. We don't need emotions stirred. We need God to stir our spirit. That's going to be, if God's going to do it, it's going to be because we got the right kind of preaching. I remember when I first surrendered to preach, I had pe people in my family come and hear me preach, and one of them made the statement, said, well, Charlie, if you, if you preach like that, you'll never preach at a First Baptist church. 
as if that is the key to having arrived in the ministry. Needless to say, I have preached in several First Baptist churches. I've not been asked back, but I have done it a few times. I'm not picking on any First Baptist. That it's just reality. But this morning, we need the right kind of preaching. And I'm not saying this because I'm your preacher, but you ought to back preaching. Listen, it's all right to say amen when the preacher says, says something you agree with. If you can't say amen, you ought, at, least, at least I'll say old me. Never forget, I went to a church one time and I preached and had a man come up to me. I was standing beside the pastor of the church and he hugged my neck. And he grabbed my hand. He said, I just want to let you know I ain't heard preaching like that in 50 years. And after he walked off, that pastor said, well, I've been here for 40. <laughs> you talking about the rest of the week being uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's a shame. Because so many times we're worried about who it'll offend and who it may hurt. But reality of it is if, if it's God's word, it's not, us, it's not up to the preacher to choose who it hurts or who it offends. It's just up to the preacher to say, this is what God said. And if we're going to have a stirring among God's people, it's going to take the right kind of preaching. The right kind of preaching is that of just simply thus saith the Lord notice not only is it going to take the right kind of preaching but it's going to take the right kind of response isn't it amazing this morning that that a lot, that a lot of us that have been saved by the grace of God we want the right kind of preaching we want a preacher that's going to say thus saith the Lord this is what the Bible says this is, this is what God says and and um, I've always told you since I've been here, there's always a, a method to my madness. And I set every one of you up without you even knowing you're being set up. Because here's the thing, you all have said amen, we need the right kind of preaching. We need a preacher that'll say, thus saith the Lord. And that is true. But I want to ask you a question. Why is it that when a preacher says, thus saith the Lord, and he preaches the Word of God, and he gives you the Word of God line upon line, precept upon precept, he, he preaches against sin, he tells you to stay away from this, and he tells you to do this, then why is it that when the invitation is given, the preacher has given you, thus saith the Lord, but the altars are empty? Why is it that in most Baptist churches we want a preacher that is going to preach thus saith the Lord but when it comes time for us to do our part the altars are empty. I guarantee you this morning that if I come in here and I told you that I have a different Bible than the Bible that I use uh, if I told you this morning that, if I, that there's a different way to be saved other than the way God had set up, you would vote me out before the, the sun has set tonight. Because you would say, we want a preacher that's going to stick with the book, and rightfully so. Then why don't you respond when the preaching of thus saith the Lord is given? 
Y'all hear them crickets? I'm telling you, preaching, uh, the preacher cannot send a stir. If we're going to have a stir, we're going to have to have the right kind of preaching, but those hearing the preaching is going to have to have the right kind of response. We're going to have to get back to the days where people are not ashamed to respond to thus saith the Lord. We're going to have to get back to the days where people are not ashamed to, to see other people and let the other people see them weep in brokenness over their sin. We're going to have to get back to where people are not ashamed to let other people see them come down an altar and, and physically and, and verbally cry out to a holy God because they're broken over their family. They're broken over their marriage. They're broken over their sin. We too long have sat in our pews and not responded when thus saith the Lord has been given. It amazes me people want a preacher that is going to preach with excitement and preach with everything he has and they expect that of the preacher but yet they do not want to respond when the word of God is given. Friend, we'll never have a stirring until the people that hear thus saith the Lord once again begins to respond. Week after week, month after month, people all across America are sitting in good Bible-believing churches with preachers that are preaching right. They're opening up the Word of God. They're expounding the Word of God. They're giving the people, thus saith the Lord. And then when the instruments begin and the invitation is given, it is as if the altar has a plague. Nobody can move. You couldn't move them if you set a stick of dynamite off of them. And, they're say, and people are wondering, what's going on? Why are our children going to hell? Why are our children leaving? Why is, why is God not doing anything? I'll tell you why. It's because we hear, thus saith the Lord, but we don't respond to thus saith the Lord. I probably killed it. Y'all never say amen for the rest of the time I'm here now. But have you noticed how quiet it's gotten? Why is that? Because you know you're guilty. I know I'm guilty. Y'all probably think we're never letting him take vacation again. How do, we, how do we view preaching a lot of times? Man, we view preaching as, as this is just what the preacher said rather than thus saith the Lord. We view preaching as water off a duck's back. Oftentimes we come into the church and we, we want to hear thus saith the Lord. But yet when thus saith the Lord is given, we don't respond. Notice in the text, notice verse number 12. With all the remnant of the people, notice this, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent them. And the people did before 
fear before the Lord. Listen, I'm not, te- I- I'm not telling you you have to come to the altar every service. So I don't think there's a problem if you do. Matter of fact, I'm not, I'm not worried about those that come to the altar every service. I'm worried about those that haven't been to an altar since Moby Dick was a minor. That's the ones I'm worried about. And all, all my ministry, the ones that come to the altar every service has never been the ones that I've had to go to because there's been trouble. But a lot of times the ones who I've never seen go to the altar is the ones that when trouble happens, they're behind it. And I'm telling you, if we're going to see God do something, if God's going to stir among us, we're going to have to obey. We're going to have to respond to thus saith the Lord. You know what we ought to do before we ever even get to church? We ought to pray what David prayed. In Psalms 139, verse number 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Well, how we need the right kind of preaching. Oh, how we need the right kind of response. Not only do we need the right kind of preaching and the right kind of response, we need the right kind of obedience. There again in the text we find that they have responded to thus saith the Lord. Verse number four, last part of verse number 14, and all of the remnant of the people, they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. They heard the preaching, they responded to the preaching, and they obeyed the voice of God. Some of the best advice that was ever given in the Scripture is found in John chapter number 2. The Lord is there at the wedding of Cana, and His mother is there, and they run out of wine for that the wedding and Mary then comes on the scene and puts Jesus in the spotlight. And then she makes a statement to the servants. He, she said, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And this morning that's the best advice that ever could be given. Whatsoever, whatever Jesus says to you, whatever the Spirit of God says to your heart, do it. Not only do we need the right kind of preaching and the right kind of response, but we need the right kind of obedience. That where we, when we hear, thus saith the Lord, we respond to it, and then we just go obey, thus saith the Lord. Now listen, I'm not telling you to obey me. I'm not God. I'm not telling you to obey some other preacher. But I am am encouraging you this morning that the one that you should obey is God Himself. And He has given us the words to how to obey Him. He's given us 
what we need to determine what's right and what's wrong. Listen, you don't need to find, you don't need to find out what's right and what's wrong by, by the news media. You need, to, you need to get in this book and find out what's right and what's wrong. You, you don't need to listen to, to, to the talk at the barber shop or the, the talk down at the hair salon and for them to tell you what's right and what's wrong. You need to get, get in this book and let this book tell you what's right and what's wrong. I promise you if you, if you listen to people, they, 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 they may in good, be, be in good conscience trying to help you. But they will lead you astray, but that book never will. There's, there's good men, good men that have served God faithfully down through the years, but yet even some of them have been wrong. I have been wrong, and I will be wrong again. But I'm glad there's never been a time this book's been wrong. And there never will be a time this book is wrong. And I'm just trying to tell you, child of God, that if we're going to have a stirring, if the Lord is going to, is going to awake us, if the Lord is going to revive us, we've got to have the right kind of preaching. But we've got to have the right kind of a response. But then lastly, we've got to have the right kind of obedience. Well, we, we've got to get to the place to where we say, it don't matter what the world thinks, I'm just going to go with God. It don't matter if I have to walk alone. As long as I'm going with God, I'll never be alone. If my friends forsake me, so be it, I'm going with God. If the world turns against me, so be it, I'm just going to obey the voice of God. If people laugh at me, if people poke fun of me, so be it. They've done it to Jesus. And if you're following Jesus, they're going to do it to you. So just get some tough skin and put your Bible under your arm and say, though none go with me, still I will follow. Friend, if God is going to stir among us, we've got to have some people that's just going to obey the Word of God. So many people are waiting for somebody else to respond. A lot of times teenagers, they'll wait for somebody else to respond. And they'll never, that, other, that person they're waiting to respond won't ever respond. And then consequently, consequently neither will they. Some of you are waiting for somebody else to respond. And it's not happened. You will never give an account to, for somebody else not responding. But you will give an account for you not responding. Some of us are waiting for somebody else to obey. We'll never give an account for somebody else not obeying. But we get, we'll give an account for us not obeying. Some of us are waiting on God. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Some of us are waiting for God to do something before we respond. But the fact of the matter is, God has done everything He can do 
He's waiting for you to respond. Do you realize there's nothing more God can do to save you than that which He has already done? There's nothing more He can do. The rest is up to you. There's nothing more that God can do to help me live for Him. It's already been done. The rest is up to me. He's already made the way. He's already provided the sacrifice. He's already provided what's right and what's wrong. It's up to me to choose. And then once I choose to do right, then God will begin through the work of the Spirit of God to lead me. Listen to me. He'll never force you to. God will never force you to get saved. He wants you to be saved, but He'll never force you. God wants you to follow Him. God wants you, once you get born again, God wants you to be obedient to Him. But He'll never force you. So many of us are waiting on God. When in reality, God's waiting on us. So when musicians come, How many of you would agree this morning? I guess I should have started it off like this. How many of you would agree with me this morning that, oh, we need God to stir among us? If I was to have asked that question at the beginning of the message, I I doubt there would have not been a hand that went up. I believe everybody across the room would have raised their hands and said, yes, we need God to stir among us. The question is, are we willing to do what it takes for God to stir among us? That's a hard question, isn't it? We want God to stir. Don't fall out with me when I say this. Hold on to your teeth. Since I've been here, I've had multiple people come to me and say, oh, how we need God to do something in our young people's lives. And that is true. We need God to stir among our teenagers. But when's the last time these teenagers saw God stir among you? I've heard, I've heard this. We need, some of our teenagers have been saved, but they've never been baptized. We need them to be baptized. We need them to follow in obedience. And I agree. 
Teenagers, if you've, never, if you've been saved and never been baptized, that's the first step of obedience. When's the last time our teenagers saw the older generation be obedient to the Word of God? We say things. We need this to happen. We need that to happen. And there's a lot of stuff we need to happen. We need God to stir among our young people. But what, when's the last time our young people saw us stirred up about God? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that God will save my children. And I, I want my children, once they get saved, I want them to serve the Lord. But do they see me enjoying serving the Lord? I promise you if they see daddy miserable while serving the Lord, it's not going to be very appeasing when I tell them they ought to serve the Lord. I mean, we, we, we have all this, we, we have all this, we, we invite, we, we say we need more people to come, we need more people to be excited about church, we need more people to do this and do that. When's the last time we said, I'm not worried about more people. God, you just do something in me. Let's quit waiting on more people to do something. God, you just do something with me. We need more people for our stirring. No, we need the people we got to get stirred. And if the people we got will get stirred, then there's no telling what God can do. Amen. Our old me. We need the right kind of preaching. We need the right kind of response. Then we need the right obedience. There again, I have no doubt that if I was to get off track doctrinally, you would tell me I need to go rightfully so let me ask you a question why have thus saith the Lord if we're not going to do thus saith the Lord think about it why have, thus saith the Lord, if we're not going to do, thus saith the Lord? I say, let's have, thus saith the Lord, because we're going to be obedient to, thus saith the Lord. In this day of apathy, this day of uncertainty, this day of apostasy, God stir among us. The preacher can't do it. The choir can't do it. The special music can't do it. 
Only God in heaven can do it. And He wants to do it. And He will do it. If we'll have the right kind of preaching. Respond to thus saith the Lord. And then go out and obey. Thus saith the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. The greatest need of anybody is that of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Paul would write, under the inspiration of God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Friend, Jesus died so that you and I could be born again. I won't embarrass you in any way. The be anybody here this morning say, I've never been saved. I don't know 